Let's have a sincere conversation about events across the nation and topics for our own morality. Let's openly discuss in an environment of trust where perception is reality. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Perception is Reality. Thanks for joining me again this week. And if you're new, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. It is your host, David, again. And this week, I am welcoming, as part of my podcasting host series, Mr. Cole Johnson. Thanks for being on the show today. Well, thank you for having me, David. I, I really am enjoying this already. Uh, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, everybody knows that I like to, it's a full disclosure podcast. So Cole and I were just chatting in the green room as I'm supposed you know, I'm sure that my um, audience is painfully aware that that happens and they know by now that I'm chatty. Um, but Cole was mentioning that he is the host of not one, not two, not three, but four podcasts. So instead of doing a horrible job of representing what those are, Cole, Cole can you tell us what they are now, what, what, what they are and where people can find you? Yeah, sure. That's not a problem. Uh, well, the, the first show, it's hasn't been released yet, uh, so I won't mention the name of it, but uh, it is soon to be released, like probably late, later in the year, sometime probably November, maybe even December, but uh, it hasn't been released yet, so I'll keep that under wraps. Uh, I do host one show that is called Revelations. It is a general interview platform where people from all walks of life, it doesn't matter what gender, what uh, sexual orientation, what uh, what background you have. It is all about basically the space of having human beings showing that you can find some inspiration in life at some juncture in anybody's life. And so you can find that at shows.pippa.io forward slash revelations or your, well, you're going to hear me say this often, or your major podcast directories. Mm -hmm. uh, I also host a show called Get Over Divorce. And uh, that is also hosted on Pippa, shows.pippa.io, forward slash get over divorce or your favorite major podcast directory. And that show is about basically divorce, but not from the get that woman or get that man or take him for all these work that she's worth type of aspect. It's from the aspect of dealing with yourself and trying to heal from really a death on earth. And I have an episode that's called Death on Earth. And and I have not seen divorce talked about that way. So I talk about divorce from a positive standpoint. And so it's basically, I guess you could say self-help and recovery. And then there is the show that, well, started it all for me. And every time anyone who knows me gets on a platform and says, you have to say this hook, it is Cole Sports. And <laughs> that's the name of the show. That's the title of the show. That's how it all started off. And it basically is, well, in the title, a sports show. <laughs> uh, and it's also on coldsportswithaz.com or your major podcast directory. And I just have a good time with that one. Um, Get Over Divorce is a new one. Uh, Revelations has been two years running, and Cold Sports is almost celebrating its fourth anniversary. That will happen after New Year. So, wow. yeah. Congratulations. Thank that's, you, sir. That's awesome. And, and, uh, just again, so the audience knows what we were talking about. Um, 
a little bit in the green room was that we're both Astros fans and the Astros just clinched their way into the World Series uh, again. Yes. So we're both very excited about that. Yes, sir. Uh, we won't be talking about that today. Maybe not too much anyway. You never know. I reserve the right to bring that back up at any moment in time. However, we just wanted to let you all publicly know the Astros are in the World Series and the Yankees aren't. That's all. Ah, oh, that sounds so good. Doesn't it? Yes. Um, <laughs> I'm originally from Western New York. And uh, growing oh. up, yeah, growing up, you were, so there were two things that I was forced to, I'm just going to segue here for a second, Cole, and just, okay. That's uh, buckle up, because this happens a lot, but I don't mean it in a bad way. <laughs> okay. um, but growing up in Western New York, there were two things that you were supposed to do. You were supposed to like the Buffalo Bills, and you were supposed to like the New York Yankees. Just those two things in life you were supposed to do. Um, I rebelled from an early, early age, very early age, um, and I started liking the Saints as far back as I think maybe like 10 or 11. Um, I started liking the Saints. I did my research. I wanted to find a team that was, you know, had a, a culture I could get behind, but wasn't doing well so that when I was a grown up and they finally won a Super Bowl, because I feel like the odds are somebody, everybody's going to win a Super Bowl at some point in time. I could say that I've been a lifelong fan and that happened. Uh, so, and I, and I have been to several saints games, many saints games over the years because of that. And I've never had a bad experience win, lose uh, or in the Superdome. Just want to say that for, for the record. Um, and I never really liked baseball Cole. Uh, I was forced to play baseball. That was the sport of choice for my parents. Uh, and I rebelled and I would leave practice and stuff and just, I just hated it. But since moving here uh, to Houston, I think maybe two and a half years ago, I don't know, just there's a lot of goodwill and um, positivity towards the Astros. And I just started liking them. And actually, even for the first time in, that I can remember, maybe 20 years or so or longer, we're not aging David right now, but even though everybody knows my real age on the podcast, but it's been a, it's been a minute. Um, and I started watching Astros games and it's the same kind of nice feeling that I get when I'm in the Superdome. Everybody's really super friendly. It's a good atmosphere. I don't know. So I just became a fan and uh, here we are. So little diatribe thought I'd share. Wow. Uh, yeah. We, we're having too many parallels. All right. So yes, I grew up in Houston. Mm -hmm. uh, you'll find that out later. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I grew up in Houston. I was born in New Orleans. So guess where I went every Christmas? Saints games. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Good, good, good. <laughs> so I relate. I, I relate. I've, I've visited Superdome many a year. So yeah. yeah. And, Isn't it yeah, great? It is. It is. And, and I just want to say this. I know that I don't think as far as NFL audience ratings go, and this isn't the sports show, but um, this isn't Cole's sports show, but I promise we're going to get to the topic today. People just bear with me for a second. But I will say this, with all the Saints games that I've been to, there's like, for example, when we won, I was at the Cardinals playoff game when the Cardinals were in, in our box. Um, that wasn't really a box. Like in our section, I was in the end zone. Um, do you know the nun and the, and the priest that you see on TV all the time? Yeah, yes, I do. I yeah, do. it was like five rows behind them um, for that game. Uh, the tickets were a gift. Otherwise, I would have never been able to afford them. So I'm very appreciative for that person who gave me those tickets. But in our little section, there was 
one fan that was a Cardinals fan. And, um, you know, there was playful banter. He never got rude. We all never got rude. Um, it was just playful banter back and forth. And at the end of the game, the guy next to me, who I've never met, he had, he had this ritual where he would wear uh, a home jersey, an away jersey, and a home jersey. He would wear three jerseys. And that was his, like, thing. Like, if he did that, we were going to win. He ended up giving his outermost jersey to the Cardinals fan, not to cover up his, because the Cardinals fan was in a Cardinals jersey, but, you know, just like uh, he, he, he was like, here, I want you to remember this game. Um, you know, it was nice meeting you, whatever. They bought each other beers throughout the thing. It was like, look, I want you to take this home and just, you know, I'm whatever. That's the kind of experience that just sums up my experience, every game experience that I've had in the Superdome. All been positive. Mm. Yeah. Same, same with me. <clears throat> same with me. Even, even when the Saints lost. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. One game that I actually saw, it was the same. The, the, the vibe was, was positive. And, and yeah, and yeah, and, the op- and for some reason, the opposition, same, same with you. Cause I, cause one year I went, I think this is, uh, I was like nine and the Rams were in town at the time. And it was like a back and forth game and the Rams won. And this is like week 16 mm-hmm. and the Rams won on the last second field goal. And there was a Rams fan near where we were, but he wasn't belligerent. You know, he, he, he was excited for his team, but he wasn't belligerent. And that was kind of cool. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. And, yeah, that's just – so that's a great place. It's a great place. I share a lot of great memories there. Uh, love it. So if you're listening, if you get a chance, first of all, you should go visit uh, New Orleans. You really should. It's a great city. There's more – I just – I don't know if I can stress this enough. There's more to New Orleans than Bourbon Street. So much more. Oh gosh. So please so so much more. If you're if you are out there in the world um listening and and you want to go visit a place in the United States, I do recommend <clears throat> excuse me, I do recommend New Orleans. Um don't judge it based on Bourbon Street. There's a lot of culture, there's a lot of everything. Um, um I'm just going to I'm going to stop there. This public service announcement brought to you by nobody because nobody sponsors my podcast cuz it's a hobby, but please go visit New Orleans. Anyway, Cole, <laughs> trying to get back, uh, trying to get on track today. Mm-hmm. What would we like to talk about today? All right. Perceptions and reality is the title of this podcast, right? So it is, it is. Well, I, I guess we can talk about divorce. Uh, I, I think that's the, okay. I think there's a lot of perceptions and reality there. Yeah, we there there are, and this may I just say is the first time that we'll have a male view of divorce on the show. Uh, originally, I've had one, two, three, three people talk about it. Two people, one specifically. So Jillian Jones, she's a certified divorce financial advisor, and so she was pretty neutral about her you know, how to, to survive a divorce and you have to think about finances, you know, that's a very tenuous situation and she tries to help make it easy. And, um, and then Margaret came on and and she talked about why she was, she was single after her divorce. So she talked a little bit about divorce and then Raquel did the same, very similar thing. Um, And all three women 
didn't really say anything negative about divorce. It all worked out well for them in the end, and they didn't say anything negative about their uh, estranged spouses, uh, which is, you know, great. But I'm excited to have a male version, uh, sorry, male perspective of divorce um, coming on the show. So I really appreciate that. So no we're so when we so going back on my experiences talking with uh, Jillian specifically, um, she did say that when, and I'm just going to give you a perspective of what I know of divorce. I don't. I know a few people that are divorced. Um, one, one, my best friend just went through one a couple years ago. That was the closest I've experienced a, a divorce. And that was, that was tough. And I was just on the, I was a bystander. Um, so I, I know his, what he went through and then what he went through kind of ties into what Jillian was talking about with finances. So the, my only experience with divorce is really like finances and children. Um, so just to let you know where I'm coming from. So I've been married for 26 years, been with my wife for like 29. Uh, we got together very young, got married very young and have still been together. So I don't have any real life experience with it. So I don't know if you do or not. I just wanted to give you that so you could know where my naivete might be coming from. If I ask you some questions that you're like, it's a pretty basic one, David. Or, you know, you're like, well, I never thought of it that way. I don't know. Just throwing that out there. All right, no, not a problem. Um, so from, so if I may ask, are you divorced? I am married currently, okay. but I have, but I have been divorced. Okay. Yeah, uh, been married almost almost nine years now, guys. Well, congratulations! Time has fl- thank you. Time <laughs> has flown by. Wow. Uh, actually, next month will be well. As of this recording, next month will be nine years. Uh, but uh, I have tasted the bitterness of divorce and and gone through the 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 rigors, the trials, the tribulations, the tears, the the uh, the manic depressive state <laughs> mm-hmm. that is divorce. And uh, I, you know, here to say, well, yeah, I mean you know you normally hear the word divorce and you think of the other aspects of it you know you know like alimony like child support mm-hmm. and yes that's that has a place and that is an element of it i have rarely heard people no matter what gender talk about the emotional side of it and to me that is a huge part of what divorce is and dealing with it, overcoming it and, and, and seeing how much better, if you are willing to go through the process and seeing how much better you become after such a, what I call death on earth. I I really believe that is what, uh, that is what we all should aspire to be if you go through that. And to me, it's an exercise in learning how to really love who you are. Uh, and and look, you're you're a unicorn, so to speak, sir, because uh, my mother is similar. You know, my mother has been married to my father for decades, has never been married to anybody else but him. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally get that. Totally get that. But going through the process of divorce, you know, you have your ups, you have your downs, you have your changes and turnarounds, and you have your your 
your doubts about life and you have your doubts about yourself and then you feel like you are literally that phoenix which rises from the ashes. And when you have those moments, you really do appreciate life a whole lot more, or at least from my perspective, you do. I can see it. If, if you're, for, for you to draw that analogy, that makes perfect sense. Um, what you're saying, I mean, you, you illustrated that very well. Oh, thank you. Is there, is there a process that you had to go through? Did you have to seek help? Because I know um, it seems to me from my, from my sheltered view, and I believe me, I understand everybody that's listening, that I'm sheltered and, you know, as Cole just said, unicorn, I don't take that for granted. I mean, I just want everybody to know it's not easy. Um, oh, no. <laughs> you know, you really, you, to keep a relationship, you really have to communicate and communicate meaningfully. Um, and you have to be willing to, to get angry, not in a violent way, of course, but you need to be willing to, let me say that this way, you need to be willing to experience emotions and then not hold a grudge. Uh, right. Those are just my, some of my success points, I think, is that, you know, talk through it and just move on, you know, don't, don't hold a grudge. Mm. But um, what, see, I, I do this call, I forgot what I was going to ask. I had a question there um, <laughs> and I over-explained my position. Mm. But I think, uh, oh, so you went through a process and it sounds like you went through a very healing process. I know that there's, I've come across two people, two kinds of people. And I'm going to, this is, I'm, I'm generalizing to make mm -hmm. the point. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, it's probably not like this, but there's the people that are still like in a bitterness mode mm -hmm. that are just seem to be stuck. And there are people who like yourself have, evolved beyond the failure of the relationship and have embraced the new person that they've become. There's been a self-realization and I want to use the word forgiveness for yourself and for the, for your ex-spouse. Um, I don't know that could be wrong, um, but that's the only way that I'm associating it in my, my brain. Um, what's your experience? You mentioned the one word that, we really in this process need to embrace and practice forgiveness. And it's funny, we're on the heels, you're living in the same state as this, as this trial living in the, <laughs> living in the same state. Mm -hmm. uh, we're on the, he all, on the heels of a court case where you had a family member forgive the, the murderer of his brother and how that was an, you know, how that was a firestorm of a topic. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do. Now I'm on board with that. I know what you're, and, and I appreciate the way you said that as to not cause any other stir, but I, yes, that was, mm -hmm. that was an amazing, if I may jump in, please, that was an amazing moment of maturity. And that was, that was a beautiful moment. And I don't think people realize how a lot of people did not accept that, that forgiveness. And, right. and I was like, that's not yours to judge or, or that's, that's, mm. you have no say in this. This is, uh, all right. Anyway, I'm getting a little bit Carry on. Sorry. Well, you, you're leading me exactly where I wanted to go. The, the one thing that I have noticed is that when I hear people talk about forgiveness, they associate forgiveness with pardoning, excusing, justifying, or basically having amnesia over the event which caused the person 
the aggrieved to say, you know what, I forgive you. You said it beautifully. Forgiveness is not for anybody else. It is for that person. It is for the person to actually say to the, to him or herself, you know, this situation, this person, this scenario, I no longer give it power to control my life. And I, at this moment, am freeing myself from either the situation, the scenario, or you. And, you know, people think that forgiveness is a weak thing. Forgiveness is one of the strongest things a human being can do. And it is the, one of the greatest tools for any divorcee to ever employ. Otherwise, you will be like a guy that I saw uh, when I was long since healed and remarried. And he was going through a divorce himself. And it was in the separation stage at the moment when I met him. And he was determined to get her back and win her back. And he, he, he knew that he did all these wonderful things. We did had had all these wonderful things stored up, and he did all these bad things, and and he was basically rearing up for his mea culpa. And so, when his soon-to-be ex-wife was like, you know, I really don't want to have any parts to do with you anymore. Basically, sort of was like, you know, I'm dissing, distancing myself from you. It was as if he just went in a 180. It switched, and the bitterness just overtook him. I mean, his, his wife, soon-to-be ex-wife, was everything but a child of God, called her out of her name, and was absolutely belligerent And whenever he talked about his wife. And I was in that state <laughs> for roughly a year with my ex-wife. And so I'm seeing it, and I'm like, oh, man. Mm. Yeah, this is going to be rough. And before... <laughs> And until you get to the point where it's like, you know, you know something, being angry and bitter toward this woman will not serve me any purpose. Until you get to that point, life is going to be pretty hard for you because life was really difficult for me. Uh, and yeah, you, you're going to be angry because, well, when a relationship ends, it could be any relationship. It doesn't necessarily have to be a marriage. It doesn't even have to be a romantic relationship. When any relationship ends, you're going to feel some, some sort of sting, some sort of prick, some sort of hurt, some sort of pain, no matter what. Yeah. I, but but what, what are you going to do after that? And that is what forgiveness is about. It's like, okay, I just need to not concern myself with that. Let me concern myself with me because my health matters more than anything else in this situation. Yeah. That I like the way that you expanded that into just general relationships because people can have deep, meaningful relationships. And I, that's, Cole, that's part of the reason I have this podcast is because people don't have deep, meaningful relationships anymore. Being online, you can, I believe you can get a sense, you can know somebody online, you can get to know them, but you're only knowing the online version of themselves that they portray. Um, I don't, I feel like it's hard to find somebody who's online that's really being genuine about everything. It's not, I'm not saying that they're not honest, but I mean, let me, let me replace the word general, um, whatever I just said, with uh, vulnerable, um, as our fellow Houstonian Brene Brown would say. Um, People are rarely vulnerable. They only show you the good stuff or 
they show you the bad stuff. Um, like, hey, I went on this awesome trip to Italy, France, Germany, you know, and I came back with Vatican from the gold because I met the Pope and he was like, here, take all this stuff. I love you. Um, and then there's people who are like, I stubbed my toe, then I got hit by a car and then in the hospital, they gave me the wrong prescription. Like, you know, there's always like, and again, I'm generalizing to make the point, but I feel like it's hard to have a deep, meaningful relationship. And if you are fortunate enough to have one, when it ends, whether it's with a, uh, your partner, um, however you want to refer to that person, you know, partner, spouse, whatever, or, uh, you know, your best friend, people have fallings out with their best friends. And oftentimes that's more detrimental than losing a spouse in a divorce. I, again, this is just my perspective. I mean, I lost a, a really, really good friend. And that was, of course, I've never been through divorce, so I can't really say that. So I'm going to reverse everything I just said and just say it can be very as difficult as difficult. Maybe you'll give me that. Uh, in certain cases, it can't be. I'll put it to you this way. So I was like 15, 15 or 16. I'll say 15. And every year I would have to go to New Orleans for, for Christmas and we would always celebrate in my great grandmother's house. Well, one of my great aunts had this long-term best friend. And I, I mean, like, I mean, it went back like 30, 35 years. So, I mean, they were like sisters. And so that friend of hers gave her this gift. And I think it was like some sort of figurine. And it was, it was wonderful. You know, my, my aunt accepted it with glee and with joy and they hugged and everything was wonderful. And we didn't think anything of it. Cut to the very next year, my aunt gifts, gift wraps the same gift and gives it back to her best friend. Oh, Free no. Christmas gift. Oh no. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah. Her friend was absolutely offended. Needless to say, their relationship was never the same. So in certain instances, yes, a close friendship like that can be similar to that of divorce. Now there's different aspects of it. And I will say that you go, when you go through a divorce, it's, you know, there's aspects of it that just will not compare to any other relationship mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. towards the end, but there are some elements of, of brotherhood, sisterhood, best friendships that ends, which is similar to that of a divorce because, well, they are a part of your life similar like a husband and wife too, just in a different fashion. So yeah, even in that aspect, you can have a fraying of nerves and a, and a, and a, <laughs> and a dissolution of, of a relationship and a de and a de evolution of yourself and a healing process of needing to lick your wounds from a best friend, either betraying you or being betrayed by one too. So yeah, it would work in that instance as well. Well, thank you for letting me off the hook there. Can you now walk me through some of your, so at some point, um, Cole, looking back, you were finding out like, okay, this D word, it's, it's going to happen. And back then, like if you could put yourself back in that situation, what were some misconceptions 
you had then that you now understand were misconceptions of divorce in the process, but like maybe you made some assumptions like it's going to go this way or it's going to go that way or whatever. Can, could you walk me through some of those? The first one would probably be, I'm going to forever hate this person. That every, not, not, and this is not a generalization. I really do mean this as a fact of my life. Every person I have run across in my personal journey before my divorce happened, maybe for the exception of my father, who went through a divorce himself, maybe for the exception of him. And at times I would hear bitterness with him too about his ex. And I mean, years later, everybody who ever talked about divorce had a bitterness about them toward their ex in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And I always thought, okay, well, if I ever get divorced, I'm going to have that type of hatred for my ex. And that ex is going to have that hatred for me. So when I went through the process, I totally thought, okay, well, I understand why they would feel this way. And when I got through to the other side and I actually had a phone call about a few years later from my ex-wife, I listened to her voice and I didn't want to toss the phone. I didn't want to get into the argument with her. I, and I didn't want to rush her off the phone either. I just wanted to be civil and cordial. And I was, and so was she. I learned, okay, well, you can be divorced, but you don't have to be bitter. Oh, okay. So that's what they were doing. They all didn't deal with their bitterness. Oh. Hmm. And so when that light bulb went off, I was like, okay, well, then I don't want to be bitter because I want to give the next person my best. And if I don't, they're going to be settled with the baggage that I'm bringing from my past relationship and marriage into the next. And then they don't deserve that but neither do I. I don't deserve that either. So that was the first one. Uh, the second one was, oh man, I'm going to be broke. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be broke. But I did a, I guess a, I'm, I'm a little different. I, I guess I did a, a form of forgiveness from this aspect of, mm, so I could actually fight for certain property because I owned a house with my ex-wife. When I actually just said, okay, I don't even contest anything to the divorce. Whatever whatever my ex-wife wants, have it. All I want to do is walk away with my car, my belongings in the car, and my own human being. And that's it. <laughs> yep. The rest she can have, I don't really care. So after that, and that was that that was really um I reconciled quickly. Uh, yeah, I, I was fine. My my mother was upset with me because I gave my wedding band to my ex-wife. In fact, when I walked out the house, I took the wedding band off and set it on one of the staircases. Mm -hmm. Or just one of the stair steps, I mean. And my mother was like, you could have melted that down to some sort of jewelry. I'm like, I didn't want that, mom. I didn't, I didn't want that reminder. <laughs> yeah, I would say bad mojo. Yeah, I didn't want that reminder. I wanted to just leave that where it was. It had its place. It was nice jewelry. I liked wearing it, but I would be reminded of think I'd be reminding of her. And at that moment, I didn't want anything to remind me of her. 
And the third, I would have to say the third one would be just a loss of life. You know, I, you know, I, I would think that, you know, divorcees would not live life in a way where it would be beneficial to them. And I would see that in many different people. And I, I saw that in many different family members because they were so they were totally different after their marriage than before. And when they were divorcees, they would they would give me the vibe of life sucks and then I die type of feel. Right. And I I, I just didn't want that. Life did suck because <laughs> going through divorce, it sucks. But I didn't want to die. You know, I, it's like okay, there has life couldn't be over. And I, I thank my father in this aspect because, I, you know, I saw that, you know, he was a product of uh, being a divorcee, getting beyond it, remarrying and having a wonderful life. So I'm like, OK, so if my father could do it. I'm sure that I surely can do it, too. And so I just gleaned on that and not necessarily anything he said, just his example. I had grabbed onto that and I said, OK, well, let me. Let me learn my own lesson from this blueprint that was been set and this trail that's been blazed. And I'll walk that blaze. I walk that trail and walk it in my own way and walk and walk it to the point where I can blaze my own trail after I get to a point where I can start being a trailblazer. And so those I would say would be the misconceptions, the biggest ones that I encountered being a divorcee. Either from right then till maybe even two years after. Hmm. Interesting. Those are good. So we're going to talk about those for a few minutes, and then I'm going to ask you a similar question. Like, um, after you've uh, your Phoenix moment, what were you know? We'll we'll take a point. I want to look at that point in time and talk about any misconceptions you had then that were like uh, different, but. Mm -hmm. um, this is what I, yeah, the bitterness is what I was, what I see or have seen. So mm -hmm. um, my best friend's just gone through divorce. It's been a couple of years and he's um, moved to a place where he's forgiven her. Um, he's looking for forgiveness because he understands and, and this is what people do. I, this is, and you know, I'm, I like to quote uncle Steve Harvey. Cause like, I just, <laughs> I just love uncle Steve. Um, I do. And he talks about his divorces openly on the show. And, right. and I think that this is the forgiveness is key and, and, you know, people made a mistake and it takes two people to get a divorce. Yes, it does. I don't fully believe that it's, it's a divorce is completely 100% the fault of one person. You know, never is, never is, you know, if, and if that there is a, there, there are always outlying use cases. Believe me, I understand that with statistical analysis. However, again, I'm generalizing, but I've not met those. So if you're one of those people, then you're, you're, you're an outlier. We acknowledge your existence. We're not trying to dismiss you. However, and in his case, he's, he's at that to your point where I think you two are drawing, I'm drawing similarities between you two. But his ex-wife is still stuck in bitterness. Um, and it's, it's just making, you know, he wants to move on to a place where they, they co-parent um, as friends. You know, he doesn't want any ill will. He doesn't, he, he's, he's 
he's in a good place. You know, it took lots of work. I'm not saying it was easy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's getting a little frustrated that she's not working on that at all. She's not working on herself. She's not working on anything. She's happy to be stuck in the bitterness. Can you, do you have any, why, can you help me understand why somebody would want to be stuck in bitterness? I, I think in, in being in that spot, in that state, I think it is when I see, or at least when I witness bitterness, it's a part of them that seems to be stuck at a certain spot and juncture in their life. And they, they go back and they re-rehearse all these things. And, they, and I think the further along they stay in that bitterness, the more they justify their stance and the more they denigrate the other's stance. I discovered this right around the time my divorce became final. So I wanted to know exactly what it was I needed to prepare for. So I, I see my, my uncle who was a divorcee. He remarried. So I'm thinking, okay, well, okay. You know, he seems to be doing better for himself. He's remarried. Uh, and he has these wonderful children who's now grown up and they're now adults. So, okay. I think that he probably could give me a tip or two. And so I flat out asked him, I said, all right, Unc, uh, please, please give me this, this answer because I'm about to become a divorcee myself right now. So you've been divorced. What is it that I need to look out for? And how is it that I need to prepare so I can heal from it? My uncle looked at me and he said, it's my experience and I ain't telling. Wow. Just like that. Just like that. He wasn't, he, he wasn't belligerent. He wasn't angry. He didn't scream it. He just said it just matter of factly. It's my experience and I'm not telling. And it, it, it segues into another aspect of a person who's bitter. They don't deal with their own emotion in it. They don't want to do the work to actually look into their soul and their spirit and, and ask those questions like, what was my role in this relationship? Why did I come out of this this way? You know, what could I have done better so that I could take that lesson and apply it to the next relationship? How was I at fault in this relationship? Hmm. Not if, how was I at fault? Right. And they, I, I have learned in my experience when I went through it, I'm like, they don't ask that question for, about themselves. Because for a year, I didn't ask that, those questions about myself either. And so, okay. I dis, you know, so I discovered, I'm like, okay, so bitterness is the enemy of self-discovery. I'm like, ah, okay, well then, I don't want to be bitter anymore. So uh, <laughs> let's find out more about me. You know, <laughs> let, let, me, let me delve more into me. Let me love myself enough to where I don't want to hate myself later for having this poison that, that, that I have within me, this unforgiveness, we'll go back to that word, mm-hmm. that is trapped within me because, well, t- I can say I hate this woman, and I did. I, could, I can call this woman out of her name, and I did. <laughs> I can say that all women suck, and I did. 
But what is that going to do me? Uh, how is it going to benefit me? Because it doesn't. I mean, it's, it's going to hurt me in the long run. You know, and, and ultimately, the object of my ire. Does that person really care? Is that person going to die because I hate them? No. So if I'm going to waste my time in being bitter like that, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 life isn't worth living. So it, to me, it is, a, it is the fact that people want to be stuck in that loop and they don't want to discover who they truly are because pain, tragedy, those things force you to deal with yourself in ways nothing else on this earth can. Yes, I agree. Um, and people I found in life uh, through other dealings or whatever you want to call them that I have is that I like to say that people don't like to look at themselves in the mirror. Mm. Uh, it's difficult to look at yourself in the mirror. I mean, just beyond what you see, the physical form of what you see, you really need to take a look at what's in that mirror. Uh, and, and I think that's, that's what you're saying is that the, the people who hold on to the bitter aren't willing to look themselves in the mirror. And, and when Steve talks about this, Steve Harvey talks about his divorces because he's been divorced three times. You know, he's like, I, I made mistakes. He's like, I, and, and to get through that, like he owned his mistakes and he's willing to move on from them because he saw his part in that. And actually mm -hmm. there's an episode where he had two of his ex-wives on the show. Mm -hmm. That was a great episode. Yeah. Um, so I'm very thankful that you've looked in the mirror. Yeah. It, it's it's, it's difficult. And I feel like my friend has done the same thing, mm -hmm. but, but I think you said something key is that you, you wanted to, like you wanted to, there was a wanting for mm -hmm. you to do better, to be better. Yeah. Yeah. And there has to be, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I have to go through life, the rest of my life, knowing that there is somebody on this earth who can legitimately say, I don't love this person anymore. And I find this person unlovable. I have to go through the rest of my life knowing there is a person on this earth who could say that. All those times when I was looking at myself in the mirror to, to deal with the fact that However, the marriage ended to deal with the fact of, you know, this person thinks that I am not a good person, not saying that she thinks this way now, but going through it, this person doesn't think I'm a nice person. Uh, this person doesn't want having to do with me. Uh, <laughs> this person has hate in her heart for me to say those things and to not deal with my ego and have a visceral reaction saying, well, I hate her, bump her, forget her. I can't, she sucks too. To no longer have that response was key because then it forced me to say, well, what makes her say that about me? You know, I, 
what makes her say that about me? And then I learned, wow, you know, a lot of those things, what made her say those things about me, and they actually are true. And good Lord, I don't like myself. Okay, well, we need, we need to change some things. <laughs> let's, let's climb under this hood. Let's, let's, let's strip things that is not working. Let's put things that are, and let's study on what things work and, and what things don't work and be better from it and not be bitter and continue to be bitter because it serves no one. Most importantly, it doesn't serve me. But looking at yourself in the mirror, it is humbling. It is humbling. Now, I've never taken drugs in my life, but I've heard former drug addicts say that when they don't have that crutch on which to lean, such as the substance they take to numb the pain or an alcoholic the same, that they get the chance to look at their hardcore issues without numbing or anesthetizing anything. And that is a hard place for any human being to be. And when you get to that state, that's when you have to learn to love who you are, to love yourself, to pour into yourself. Because the one thing I think people don't fully grasp is we're in a hurry to be in relationships. We want to have that buddy. We want to have that brother. We want to have that sister. We want to have that wife. We want to have that husband. But you never were taught that you got to have that love affair with yourself first. And if you don't, you're going to be in this endless loop of searching for who you really are. And you're going to be hurting one person after another, after another, after another, until you do or until you die. And that's not cool for anybody. No, and that person can live that entire life and still not have understood who they really were as a person. Mm -hmm. So how, what, what advice would you be to have somebody, this is maybe a two-part question is, how, how do they recognize they're stuck in the bitterness cycle? And then how do they move beyond that? <laughs> there was an incident that I had, and this was about a year into uh, my divorce. And I was at work. And the night before, I had a conversation with, with my ex-wife, and they were at contents about the conversation which angered me and i was i was in a i was in a slow slow boil but i was okay and then when i got the call from her i was in an, i was in a rage i was in a complete rage so a day passes i'm sitting on it and i'm still seething and I'm talking with one of the managers. I was a security officer at the time. So I'm talking to one of the managers and she sees that I'm going through it and I'm having a hard time going through it. And we had a really good rapport, a, you know, a friend rapport. Mm -hmm. And so she said, yeah, come along. Uh, I'm doing rounds. Why don't you walk with me and we can talk. I'm like, sure. No problem. So we did, we got to, and we were doing, high-rise security patrolling. So we got to one of the consoles of the building and lo and behold, there was this battle of the sexes conversation they were having. Uh, two other women, one other guy. 
and they're walking. No, I'm sorry. We're walking toward them. I'm hearing it. And I'm just completely disgusted by the topic conversation. Cause it was like, you know, men don't do this. Women don't do this. Men don't do this. Women don't do this. It was that type of conversation. Uh-huh. And so I was like, Ugh. and then it got to the, well, you know, all, all, all men cheat, all women don't cheat. And I was like, I'm through with all of y'all. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I, and I blurt out loud. I said, all women can be dogs too. <laughs> <laughs> all of y'all. And I mean, I screamed it to the point where it echoed. And of course the conversation halted. It stopped. And all four of them looked at me in shock. All four of them looked at me in shock. And I was horrified and I walked away. Now, thankfully, thankfully, I maintained a relationship that was good with the, the, the woman manager friend that I had and the other people there too. But I made a mark because I knew they looked at me differently and they are never, never going to look at me the same way again. And they never did. And that moment right there was a flashpoint. Now I didn't change all the way, but I knew I was like, Oh, that's not good. I can't have these outbursts like that. I can't do it. I can't have these outbursts. And it was then perception. But later on, as I matured, it was like, no, it's not. I can't have these outbursts because of perception. I can't have these outbursts because it damages people. It hurts them because they're seeing your hurt and basically you're emotionally throwing up on them. So instead of emotionally throwing up, why don't you take the four walls that you have and close yourself in them and the moments that you really don't feel like dealing with human beings, deal with those emotions then. But when you're out in public, see that, see that they see that they're looking at a man who is blossoming into a stronger human being right before their eyes. That, that many things that would disrupt, destroy, um, take down any other human average human being. They see that you're not that average human being because they're seeing that you're doing the work and in aspects of other, uh, in other aspects of things, you've done the work because there's many divorcees where you're, where you're working. They need to see that you can be a divorcee who actually can be happy, can say nice things about their ex, can, can actually wish them well. Now, a year into that divorce, I wasn't even close to there. I wasn't close to there. Now, I left the job two years later. I was almost there then. Almost. Wasn't quite there yet. But I was almost there. And it took, it took a relationship that I wanted to start that didn't which actually is now a godsend now that I look back on it, which really made me realize that I shouldn't be bitter because I was ready to roast this woman hard. I hate you. You suck. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Your, your unflattering names that my tongue no longer can go into insane, but my tongue at that time did Uh, (laughs) just know that, just know that one of those, one of those names was the gardening tool. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. I, 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 um, you're painting a good picture. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, David. I, I wanted to go there and did for about mm, a week and a half. It was as if I had this, this wand, this magic wand that hit me. I snapped out of it that quick. And I mean, I snapped out of it so quick that a week afterwards, I talked to that, that, that woman again. And we patched things up. We ended up becoming really good friends and everything was fine. And then I said, and then I looked at a deeper meaning of that. I was like, wow. So it took me a a good two weeks to get past that embarrassment, that heartbreak. Well, if it's going to take me that little amount of time to get over a heartbreak of this nature, shouldn't it be time that I put to bed this years long problem that I've had with my ex-wife? And so the, the final stages were in effect then. And then, and, and I just went into just straight up love myself mode. I was like, you know, take yourself out on as many dates as you possibly can have. Enjoy your space as much as you can. Love who you are, where you are. And if people say things such as you should have this by now, you should be this by now. Uh, why don't you have this by now? Why are you at this stage in your life? Don't even concern yourself with that. You are, you're at a state where you are in a love affair with yourself. Do that and continue to do that and continue to do that. One year later, I reconnect with my ex-wife. I mean, I reconnect with my wife now and the rest is history. So, uh, <laughs> Just that making that investment of loving myself and not giving myself the permission to just spew poison on other people. That was when I turned the corner. And that's when I, I guess you could say, I, had, I guess my Phoenix moment was when I got, when I got turned down in an advancement of a woman that I thought was going to be a partner of mine. Mm-hmm. And when she wasn't, it took me, not that long to actually lick those wounds. I was good. I was good. And it wasn't the, okay, stiff upper lip. All right. Nothing faces me. <clears throat> nothing faces me. <clears throat> nothing faces me. It's <laughs> hard. <laughs> no, it wasn't even that. Yeah. It wasn't that at all. Well, I'm glad you had the aha moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hope people can use your story to help them realize that maybe they've already had one and they just didn't notice it, but hopefully they're ready to accept it. And then I think not only love the person who they are, but who they're becoming. Yes. Uh, and if, if they're willing to become that new version of themselves, mm-hmm. uh, I want to segue because that's mm-hmm. what I do in a second. So I, I liked a lot of what you said, but not, not a, but um, what's the, joining word I'm looking for. I, what I'd like to do is think that the process that you went through that we're associating with this divorce could be used, and, and I, I might be making too far of a leap, but could be used when we're dealing with people who might be different from us, they might disagree with us, they might whatever with us, we can meet this person or have 
a conversation with somebody who disagrees with us and our point of view and our opinion. It is possible to do that. And then through that re uh, interaction, there's further growth. You know, mm -hmm. you're, I'm not saying you have to agree with person A, right. but mm -hmm. at least you've learned something if you're willing to hear where they're coming from. Right. Um, and, I, and I feel like that is you did a lot of that with yourself and with your ex-spouse and, and that led to the learning and to the enlightened man that's talking with me right now. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did. Uh, and it's funny you're mentioning that, going back to forgiveness uh, again. Mm -hmm. One of my uh, podcast uh, compadres, I, I won't mention his name, but uh, one of my podcast uh, compadres who I get along wonderfully with, uh, we, we have bonded quite easily and <laughs> quite quite well over music and and life experiences and many of our life life experiences mirror one another uh when it comes to forgiveness his thought is well you shouldn't do that and i'm coming from yeah you, you shouldn't you shouldn't you, you shouldn't ever forgive somebody who aggrieves you and i'm coming from an experience of and i said this to him I said, look, if I were to have a situation such as if someone were to do harm to my family and I didn't forgive the person who was the assailant, I would want to kill anybody who was associated with them because in my flesh, that's what I would want to do. But in, in order to save myself, I'm like, look, I got to forgive you for that because if I don't, I'm going to do something that I will regret. If not, my life will be gone. So it's a matter of life and death for me if I forgive somebody or not. I mean, a literal matter of life and death. So understand that whenever I say I forgive somebody, it isn't, it isn't a, mea culpa that I'm, a mea culpa understanding that I'm extending to them. It is simply a matter of self-preservation, life preservation. He doesn't see it that way. I'm not saying that he never will see it that way, but he doesn't. And I don't see how you could be bitter. And I, I remember there was another person who agreed with his stance. And they mentioned, okay, well, and said, well, you know, the person probably will show themselves to change. I'm like, okay, cool. That's fine. They could change. That's wonderful. So what happens if this happens? So this person shows change. You actually see it, yet years later, you look at this person and you still harbor the same bitterness and hatred toward them for the act they committed to you. Who's hurting more, the person who did the act or you for keeping that within you? Who benefits more from it, the person who did the act or you? Who, benef who benefits from the bitterness that you're holding aside? And I think people don't look at it that way. You know, so uh, it's, it's, it's paramount, at least in my mind, that you cannot, you cannot be above it all, because I think a lot of people feel as though they're above it all when they get to certain aspects of life, where it's like, oh, Lord, yes, yeah, I'm an elephant to you being an ant. No, no. The fact that I'm to this point about forgiveness it really is a practice that I'm so glad that, well, God introduced me to doing 
<laughs> and I'm so glad it's an, it's an act I practice because it has saved my life. It has made my life more enriched, better, stronger, more beautiful. I will never, ever sing the praises of forgiveness enough. And when I see people who are trapped in unforgiveness, it really hurts my heart. And so I try to give them the aspect of forgiveness is this. It is not what you think. It is not what you think forgiveness is. And I try not to browbeat it into them. It's just, I try to introduce a certain aspect. And should we not agree? Cool. Names are not going to be called. I'm not going to get into a, a shouting match with them. But I'm not going to break off the relationship with them either because they have a descending opinion for me. It's just, okay, well, we just have to agree to disagree here. Mm-hmm. But hopefully you get to see the health benefits of doing this and that your life would be more enriched if you do. If you don't want to see that, fine. I still love you, but I think your life would be better if you did this. And that's the approach I take. I think a couple of key points, if I could just summarize based on my view of the world is that um, you can love somebody, but you don't have to like them. And love is not relegated to just a physical like and i'm just a man and woman kind of love like you could there are many layers to love um you know love thy neighbors one of them you know you don't Mm -hmm. but uh the other one is um how healing forgiveness really is for the person that's willing to forgive And there are a lot of layers to forgiveness as well, I think. I mean, people just, I say this a lot. People often confuse my kindness as a weakness. Exactly. And they often confuse my willing to forgive. Now, I'm not saying like it's a forgiveness, like, oh, you've wronged me. I'm forgiving you like in two seconds. No, 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 no. David needs to process some stuff. Right. Exactly. (laughs) You know, it might be like in, in my a version of losing a relationship. Uh, like I said, we got married very, very young. Um, I think we were, ju- we were just out of college. So we were both mm-hmm. like 20, 21. I was 21, she was 22. Mm-hmm. And my BFF from grade school, like I'm talking like second grade, was going to mm-hmm. be my best man. Ghosted. Like, I mean, before oh ghosting God. was a thing, ghosted. Oh, man. I, it took me probably, I mean, I already let the cat out of the bag that I've been married 26 years. It probably took me a good 15 years to, I, and I haven't seen him since, like, the last day I saw him was the day that he agreed to be my best man. So I haven't seen him since then, but it took me probably good 15 years to work through the loss of that uh, relationship and then come to a point to forgive him for that. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that was healthy. Believe me, David's not being an example here for you people. Please don't (laughs) wait 15 years to forgive somebody. Don't, don't, it didn't do me any favors for my health. Um, It really didn't. Mm -hmm. And forgiving him this huge weight was just, and I didn't, a weight that I didn't even know was there. Yeah. Gone. But um, mm-hmm. so those are the two, those would be, and I'm not saying that they're, 
out of everything that you just said that I'm not saying that there's not more takeaways, mm-hmm. but the two key ones for me um, are those that I just went through. Well, it's funny you say that. God, man, you, we've, we've had similar experiences. So the, the marriage that I am in now, mm-hmm. I asked my BFF to be my best man. And about two months before he committed and said, yeah, sure. No problem. And I asked him as soon as I proposed to my, my now wife, he said, yeah, you know, I'm the best man. I'm like, okay, cool. So this is like two months before when he said, I I definitely will be there. No problem. I haven't heard from him since. Oh, snap. Yeah. So yeah, you say ghosting. Yeah. I haven't heard from him ever since then. He hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't called me. He hasn't said any, he hasn't written, he hasn't emailed me, nothing, no, no communication at all. And, and we were, I mean, we rolled with each other four years solid together. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was almost, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was bad. (laughs) It was to the point where wherever he went, I went with him or wherever I went, he went with me. Same. And I mean, it was, I mean, we were tight to the point where if I needed to use his car, he would hand me the keys. And if he needed to use my car, I would hand him my keys. Or yeah, if, or if, or if we need to stay in each other's apartment, done. We had that type of relationship. And then when the ghosting happened for me there, yeah, it, it was a kick in the teeth, but going through the process that I went through by the time and it was meant to I, it was meant to work that work out this way too because my father ended up being my best man so it was it was appropriate and mm-hmm. and he and my father was the appropriate guy to be the best man in in this wedding anyway yep so uh, by the time i asked my father to to be that i already forgave my 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 now ex bff but and and i don't have any ill will toward him or harsh words to say to him but and this is really how forgiveness truly works. I don't really desire to be a friend of his anymore. Uh-huh. Agreed. And I don't have, and it's no bitterness. I just, yep. I it just, just it just is. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to explain to somebody who's not gone through it, but it just is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't wish any harm or no. any bad things. And if good things right. happen to him, I'm happy for him. But I just, mm-hmm. you know, with, with me growing up, Um, I spent every day at his house. So like his mom was like my mom, his little sister was like my little sister. I mean, there were times when I would totally, you know, defend and and protect his sister. Like she was my own. Um, You know, she went through a medical, we were seniors and seniors in high school and she had a huge medical problem and she came to me instead of him. I'm the one who called the mom and, took care of everything and got her to the hospital and all that other stuff, you know? So, um, but I lost the whole family. Uh, but anyway, I digress. Yeah. So yeah. we talked, we're coming up on an hour and I'm horrible at timekeeping, but I, and I'm not saying, so I'm not going to be able to ask you the other, well, actually let's just ask it. Okay. So you're at two years, you're at your two year point. You've come through, you've, you're, you're the Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Are there any other misconceptions at that point now, because it's a different time. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to dismiss the way the other two that you said before that you were going to be broke. Um, mm-hmm. There might have been a financial hardship, but you're you weren't destitute. I, uh, right. 
I wasn't. And, and um, I'd like to see, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about your father being a good example, because I have a feeling your father was a good example of more than just how to deal with the divorce. Oh, gosh, yes. So. Um, oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> so here's what I'd like to do. Can we just take a few minutes to talk about the wonderful man that is your father? Um, and I mean that sincerely, because I'm picking up a lot of like, this, this is a truly good man, number one. And then mm-hmm. number two, can we go to the question of like when you've come through that to your mark and you've phoenixed, like looking back, mm-hmm. were there other misconceptions? So if, if you don't mind, let's do those two things. Oh, well, in talking about my father, I never mind. <laughs> I never mind doing this. You see, this this is the type of man who he, without fail and without question, would on a on a Sunday afternoon in the summer say, Son, would you like to uh, go see a baseball game? Or would you like to go see a football game? And take me. And would give me such a great experience to where it wasn't like he was the boss of the experience. It was as if we went to, the, we went to, went to these games to bond, to, to, to actually have him model how a, how a friend should be to me. And... And he would show that he would learn things from my observations like I would learn from him about his because his observations were awesome and still are, still are to this day. He was the type of guy and still is the type of guy where he would see me hurting. He'd walk over to me. He'd put his hand over me and he'd say, you know, let's talk about it. You know, what's, what's, what's hurting you? You know, and, and let me see if I can help you out. And, and he would. There would be something. He may not have given me the exact, um, exact sentence that would really say, oh, okay, I can go from here. A lot of times he did, but <laughs> there, were certain, there were some times where it's like, okay, it was a nugget that helped me out. And, and mind you, this is the same guy who, if I were to step out of line, he'd, he would whip me. And I mean physically whip me. <laughs> he wasn't brutal, but he would, he, would, he would discipline me. would have no qualms and no problems doing it. However, yeah. he was he was a kind, still is a kind, gentle soul. Always has been ever since I was born. And he would he would always be like this this sage tree that I would climb underneath and get shade under. And whenever I would have issues, he'd be the guy. He'd be the go-to person. And all the way until being the best man of my wedding. And His experience, yeah, it is awesome. And his experiences were so vast, so, so great that it, it, he would tell stories to where it felt as though I was along the journey with him. And, and he would always tell me, he says, you know, you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm proud of you. And I'm saying, you proud of me, dad? Wait, 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 wait. How are you proud of me? (laughs) I mean, I'm 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 stepping I'm stepping in the, in the in in the same footsteps that you stepped in. I'm proud of you. You know, I mean, you're the man. <laughs> you're the man. So yeah, I look. I could go on forever and expire. Yeah, no, and expi- he sounds like an awesome, awesome, influential person. And, and, and yes, the reason I ask is because you know uh, where I'm at that age with my son who's 20. Mm-hmm. You know, we went through that hard time. Yeah. Where, you know, when he's, there was, 
you know, a time when he would come to me for everything. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the difficult questions and, you know, I would give him answers. And then, then he went through a time where he was like, Oh my God, you're just a know-it-all. Uh, and, <laughs> and now that he's 20 and he's in college and he's uh, studying to be a doctor, you know, he's, we're having a different level of conversation. I think yeah. there's some understanding. So that's mm-hmm. cool. And I'm glad that you have that with, with yeah. your father. I'm hoping I'm looking forward to that uh, other side of the, you're a know-it-all conversation. Um, Cause I, I definitely don't know everything. Well, if your um, son loves you the way I think he does, you get to there sooner than rather than later. Cause I could tell you, I, I had that, I had that stage with him when my father, it was early though, for me, it was like when I was like 11 or 12, that's when I had that stage with him. Oh, you just know everything. <laughs> By the time I was in high school, I mean, it was, for some reason, it was, it was as if he knew when to turn off the father hat and turn on the friend hat. And he was more of a friend to me when I was a teenager than a father figure. But he always was a father, and I always respected him. And yeah, the law was his, and no question about it. If I stepped out of line, he would remind me, uh, no, son. <laughs> no, son. This is not the time you should buck up and be a man here. <laughs> yeah. Chill and, with and that. <laughs> there's, that. That is important. And, and yeah. I like to think I do that for, for my, mine. Um, but also, mm-hmm. I mean, I really got close to a lot of his friends so that I hope they all yeah. know. I know a lot of them listen to the podcast and I just yeah. need them to know whoever they are out there, you know, who you are, mm-hmm. you know, I'm still here for y'all. And I, um, and I can, and oh, before you, we, we continue on what I can tell you from experience, my friends, what all, what all give me trouble. If I, if I said to them anything bad about my father, they said, you mean to tell me that that same man who did da 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 for me? No, man, you got to treat him better than that. Like, yeah, okay, you're right. Yeah, there, so, there's yeah. a certain there's a certain amount of that that happens, which I, I at, at one point it fueled the the teenage uh, teenageness, uh, but now there's a different you know it's an understanding. Yeah. So, in wrapping up for us, mm-hmm. can you tell us what were those revelations that you learned uh, after the Phoenix moment? Oh man. Revelations. Uh, I've heard that name before. I can't or, remember. Maybe once or twice. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if you want to say, you know, common misconceptions you had, like, because they're different going, I, and my perception is that they'd be different going in than they are coming out. And they are. They are. Um, uh, the, I think the biggest one would be you learn what is really important in life that trinkets and stuff and reputation reputation yeah it 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 means something but it doesn't mean as much as you think it is it, it's the important aspect is how are you living your life and are you making a positive contribution in it and are you making the first contribute positive contribution in life to the man in the mirror in my case, me. And when I understood that it's all about if I can love myself first and then spread that to others, 
it was a rap for me. It was a rap. And it, and it, it wasn't even about if I'll be broke. It wasn't even about if, uh, if a person would hate me. It, it wasn't even about the bitterness. It was really about love. And, you know, when, when Jesus came to me and said, well, look, come to me, all who are weary and, and, and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He meant that and he did that for me because if it wasn't for that, I would still be the bitter person that I was years ago. And you would be talking to a much different human being than you are now. So yeah, I, 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 I credit God 100% with this. And I'm so glad I did the work because what, what has really made it worthwhile is that I'm, I'm talking about this subject matter now and I'm looking back at my life and I'm looking back at my life now, not with regret, not with sorrow, uh, not, not, with, not with dredge, but I'm looking at it with a renewed sense of purpose that I want people to not be in this bondage of bitterness like I was caught in for a little bit and like how many are still caught up in the day and that you can have this wonderful life and all you have to do is just let go of the bitterness and forgive, forgive, forgive. And if you do those things, you will be a better person for it. I guarantee it because I have lived that existence for many years and I am a far better first person for it. I would not even be speaking on this mic on this show if I failed to take those steps. And I really do mean that. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you did. And I like how you phrased it because really um, bitterness, bitterness is bondage. Um, mm -hmm. It really is. Well, Cole, thank you for sharing all of those perspectives and the common, some common misconceptions about divorce and everything and your shows. Can you just um, remind everybody those three shows sure that are published and mm -hmm. then uh, throw the teaser out for when they can expect the fourth, please. All right. All right. Well, you can catch Get Over Divorce. We've actually talked many, many aspects about the show. <laughs> about this uh you can find that like i said at on pippa.io it shows at shows.pippa.io forward slash get over divorce all one word uh you can also find me on revelations where i hopefully will have this wonderful gentleman on the other side of this mic come on my show and we can actually do the similar type of thing with him uh that's also on pippa shows.pippa.io forward slash revelations all one word again and Cold Sports or Cold Sports. <laughs> That's on coldsportswithaz.com. Uh, you can find me there. Uh, and I also, before I even mention the teaser, I also have a free audio uh, for those of you who are struggling with that bitterness, that bondage that we talked about just a couple minutes ago. Uh, I have a free audio ebook. It is called How to Heal from Heartbreak. And you can find that at getoverdivorce.org, getoverdivorce.org. And it's only one word there. Uh, and you can just take that, download it, and you'll be, you'll be loving life. I guarantee you it would give you tools to break free from that bondage. And I am hosting a second interview podcast. And I'm already doing one, but I'm hosting a second one. 
and that's going to that's going to debut sometime sometime in November. And I look forward to hearing what you all think about it. It's it, it's going to be different from Revelations. It, it the questions going to be different. The type the guests are going to be different, and the feel is going to be different. So I hope you enjoy it because it's going to be a labor of love that I think is going to be around for a long time for me. And, and now that we've met, because everybody knows that uh, I really like to know as little as humanly possible about any guest before they come on, oh. um, because I don't like to come into any show knowing anything that would cause any misconception or perception that I have. Um, I don't like to know, I mean, I guess male or female, that's, that's kind of hard sometimes to not know, but I don't like to know where they live you know, I don't like to know what race or anything. I just like to come in complete blank slate. And I, and I, that's one of the reasons why I don't do video. Mm. Cause I, I don't, I just want to have, I just want to be, I just don't want there to be any pressure, just nothing. So I, I, um, that's just how, it's how I like to do things. Um, okay. and I had a point there that, that tied in and again, I forgot. Cause again, I was like, well, what are you trying to say? Uh, in my head, my head was going, what the hell are you trying to say? idiot?" Um, <laughs> but I, I had a point, Cole, I promise. Um, but anyway, I'm there for you on Revelations uh, whenever you want me to be. And uh, thanks for sharing all of that. And everybody go find. Oh, I know. I was going to say now that I now that I know you, I can listen in. And I'm looking forward to um, definitely Revelations. That's going to be totally up my alley. And yeah. I will definitely check out Cole Sports. Uh, all the saints episodes I'm and Astros, but I don't know, you know, we'll see. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks again for being there. Everybody, if you need to get a hold of me, you know how to reach me. It's P I R podcast at gmail.com. Or if you want to call and leave me a voicemail, the voicemail line is always open. And as always, uh, if you preface it, please don't air this. I won't, but otherwise it's fair game. Country code 1-585-210-0240. I always want to hear from you. That's email or uh, the, the phone line. And thanks again for tuning in. Um, Cole, I like to mention that time is everybody's most valuable asset in their life. Mm -hmm. And I always caution them, be careful how they spend it. And I hope after listening to this, they don't spend an extra minute of that time being bitter. And I thank them and you for spending this time today with me. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Cole.